Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Did I tell you? First of all, hi. Hi. Oh How you doing? Hi. I'm, I'm, I'm well. I'm well. Uh, I'm a little chilly at the moment, but I know in like oh. 30 seconds that's going to change. So I'm like, yeah. I'm just enjoying it really. <laughs> Did I tell you about how, so like I, I watched... I just uh, just finished season three of Lock and Key. On okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is that the final season or is there I'm one more? Pretty sure it's going to be the final season. I think that this wraps it up. I don't know for sure. Uh, it felt like a good end point, though. Um, and I, I, you know, after the the first couple seasons, I was I was enjoying it. I'm like, you know, originally I went into it thinking like, this looks like it might be kind of kitty, and I know that the graphic novel is kind of dark. So like, is it really going to hold up? Uh, I thought the show held up pretty well, and I enjoyed it. I mean, there are still some kind of kiddish moments, but like, sure, that's excusable. It, it it makes it a little bit more of a like broadly approachable show. Like, it doesn't skew super young, but it's also not like so scary and dark that like younger kids can't watch it. So. Right. I had wanted to read the graphic novel for the longest time, and I just never picked it up. So I think I told you this, but a while back I went to a local comic shop feeling like I'm going to support this this shop. I love them. Apotheosis Comics here in St. Louis. Great, great shop. Uh, and I walked out with a copy, a brand-new, fresh copy of uh, you know, Welcome to Lovecraft, the the first volume of the, the graphic novel, and I was super yes. excited to read it. And as I was flipping through the pages, I'm like, this is in Spanish. Oh, no. <laughs> So I ended up, I, I put that in a, in a free library, hoping that someone who reads Spanish or someone who is interested in reading Spanish or someone who is just a much bigger uh, uh, Lock and Key fan than I am uh, will pick it up. Uh, in the meantime, yesterday when we went out to dinner and I was wearing my <laughs> premium e-cig shirt from Somnium that I was yes. just telling you about, uh, I wandered back into uh, to a different location of the, the same shop. They've got two around here. Uh, and I did find they have in English they have the the, the thing and I'm, I'm excited to read it you know it's like I, I could have struggled through and like forced myself to learn Spanish and some of it I would have known like I know a little bit and yeah you can pick up a I've, few words I know a little bit of Spanish a little bit of French I've picked up a little bit of Portuguese and Italian from fucking around in Duolingo so I like I probably could have gotten the gist but like I didn't I didn't want to work for it so I sure. bought that uh, and I'm excited to read it but I also bought my very first hard copy of the player's handbook. Yes. Uh, yes. Dungeons and Dragons. My, have, uh, <laughs> as you see, my daughter's been getting into it. I think yes. I have to pick up a hard copy as well. Cause that's, I only have a PDF copy. Like I have a PDF copy and that like, that's fine for, for quick reference. But like, I just, the more I thought about it, the more I just like, it's beautiful. The same reason I got that tarot set that I'll probably never use and hopefully yeah. give to someone since that's the rule that you're supposed to give them away. That's what we learned. Uh, it's because the artwork is beautiful and it's just cool. And we, uh, we just started a campaign at work. Awesome. Uh, I'm very, very excited. Like some, some of my teammates and I do, we got our, our first round uh, Friday afternoon at the end of the, the work day. Uh, first round of the campaign, and it was a hell of a lot of fun. I fucking uh, 
I got to live out a personal fantasy where my character got to be the chef in a cooking competition, like full on, <laughs> like Iron Chef style, but with battle. That's we, amazing. Caleb over here living out real life uh, in Dungeons was, and Dragons. I was in my element, and I don't know if uh, if our DM included that part. Because he knew that I liked to cook, or maybe he saw like in my character sheet that I gave myself a proficiency with cooking utensils. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't know if if that was like intentional or if it just worked out that way. But as soon as he said the culinary battle, I was like, guys, I can cook. I have this. <laughs> this is that's my uh, skill set. <laughs> I planned out this whole meal. It was a, based on a real recipe that I found. That was a persimmon risotto with uh, pancetta and goat cheese. Jeez, mm, I, sounded to me. I actually want to make it in real life, but I, I did a whole variant on that, like you know, claiming I was using local ing- ingredients to this <laughs> realm. Oh, it was great. We had to battle a giant prawn to use it as an ingredient. That's we had to battle another team that, like, actually battle another team that was competing against us. It was great. Uh, That's so. there, there's an anime called "I'm Standing on a Million Lives," and the main. So basically, these people they they get it's an isekai, so they get brought into this uh, magical world, mm-hmm, and the main. Mm-hmm. So like, it's the main guy, and there's two other girls, and the one girl's like oh, I'm a warrior class, and she has, like, a giant axe, and the other one's like, oh, I'm a paladin class, and I have all that, and he goes, I'm a chef. And he has has just a knife and a fork, and he's like, I can't battle with this, but he ends up being, like, he ends up being able to, like, see monsters and knowing exactly where their vital organs are. So he just goes up and is like, bloop, and just stabs them, and they just instantly die because he knows exactly how to cut them up because of, like, butcher <laughs> skills and stuff like that. And he eventually ends up getting better skills and stuff, but he's the cook of the party, and that is you. You are that character. That is, oh, my God, that's amazing. And, like, the best part is I rolled a cleric, which, you know, like, that's kind of yeah. my my jam. That's what I, what I like to roll, you know, a, a healer, but one that can also take a punch. Yeah. Um, I... <laughs> I feel, I used sacred flame to light the fire for the walk first. Okay. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that is going to be some walk. It was magnificent. Uh, meanwhile, like I'm, you know, I'm chopping these beans and like stirring the risotto and like casting a heel across the arena. <laughs> oh my god, this sounds spectacular. <laughs> it really was. It really was. So uh, I'm very excited. I have my player's handbook now. I'm gonna gonna study a little bit more. Try to learn. Like I rolled uh, an Eladrin, which is a type of like Fey elf, and they have like a uh, like. That's special... what I just rolled. Yes, I rolled an Eladrin, the... Eladrin warlock. Yeah. What, uh, what seasonal attunement did you do? Uh, I don't know because I literally just did it, but I like <laughs> I need to learn because I don't know it as well as you do. So I need to like learn, learn. I just like I, as I was rolling the character, I was like, Elijah, what's that? Wait, they have seasons. What does that do? And Elijahs have a, an ability called Face Step that, like, at the end of the turn, as a bonus action, you can like basically teleport thirty feet. But uh, at level three and up, like your seasonal alignment, which is you know, like basically your personality and like your outlook on life and whatnot, uh, also gives you an additional ability with the face step. So Ooh, I don't, I don't know if I got that. I'll have to like look into. Yeah. I'm looking at my uh, <laughs> my character now. Yeah, features and traits on D and D Beyond. Which, by the way, there was huge uh, Dungeons and Dragons news recently yeah, announced the, about D and D one, one D and D or whatever they're calling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty insane. I, I I don't know all the details. I saw a lot of the um, the stuff where basically they're they're taking like the first. X number of things and just like bunching them into one thing and then all new expansions will build on top of that. And they're yeah. simplifying a lot of old complicated things. Everything's going to run off fifth edition and higher Yeah. Uh, now. So this is where d and doing that. And then uh, Magic just updated their mm-hmm. stuff as well. So and I, I kind of like that too, because I know that like you know, people who've played significantly longer than either of us who've been mm-hmm. playing since like the seventies and eighties and whatnot, like, that people tend to have their favorite edition and like there's rules that change and abilities that change stuff like that from edition to edition. Uh, but it feels like they've kind of stabilized on fifth edition for a while now. And it feels like that's really where wizards wants the game to be. Yeah. And so it kind of makes sense that they would basically just be like, this is D and D now and anything we add to it in the future builds on this. Builds on this. Which, thing. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool, and like, of course, cool. nothing stops any any group or any campaign from using bits and pieces or like eschewing newer editions entirely. That's the beauty of the game. You play it however the fuck yeah. you want. 
I, that's that's what I love about. It. I know that they just launched Spelljammer. So for those of you listening, they just launched Spelljammer. So if you want to like time frame, even though the episodes are dated, the, when this is is that the one in space? That's the one all in space, yes. and there's like space hamsters apparently, <laughs> and they're like gigantic. So like Juniper and I were looking through the books. My daughter's is started to get interest in Dungeons and Dragons, specifically thanks to Stranger Things. She's she's watching through the series now. Hell yeah! Uh, but uh, but it, she's I like actually interested in it, and one of her like best friends is also interested in learning. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to get together like a kid friendly campaign so like they can kind of go through it and get an idea for it. But Juniper just bought her uh, a little figure of herself um, and she is an elf uh, elf wizard. She's an elf wizard. Nice. So she was able to find hers pretty easily. However, not a lot of elf warlocks. That was a, no. that was a hard figure to find apparently. I feel like just like the like I don't know much at all about the lore behind D and D, but just lore of elves in general feels like they they tend to like tend to not dabble as much in the the darker arts. So I feel like that might yeah. be a, a lesser combination, but I like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm having I had fun like building it and trying to figure it out, but I I need to learn way 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 more. But the spelljammer seems fun because it's way way up in space. But today's episode, oh. we are going to be. 47 meters down. <laughs> so that being said, hello and welcome to the Never of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I don't go in the water for a reason. Monster soup. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I spent a good deal of this movie thinking about how, like, I'm not actually convinced that space is scarier than the ocean. No. I mean I think it's I think it's actually the other way around. Like in space it's I, it's basically like you're lost in, in nothingness until your air runs out or a micrometeor like pierces your heart and like it's right. over. That's it. Like you have basically like two likely scenarios for death in space other than like, you know, a fiery explosion. And seemingly um, infinite visibility. Yeah. Uh meanwhile, in the water, the like there's nothing in the water that isn't capable of killing you. <laughs> right. From like the tiniest fish to the most gigantic uh, shark or orca or something, something will kill you. Not granted. There are lots of things in the water that aren't interested in killing you. Sure. But just about everything can. And that's where I have a problem. <laughs> in addition I, to the water itself and the crushing pressure and, yeah. and of course, the the dangers, uh, as is frequently referenced in this movie, of uh, using artificial oxygen supplies and the, the ways that gases can mix in your, uh, in your blood system, uh, causing various uh, painful side effects and hallucinations and whatnot. Like, you know what? Pass. Yeah, Just no, I pass. The ocean is scary as frick, man. So we're talking about the movie 47 Meters Down. And for those of you that uh, have been following along this month, we've been asking the question, are there good shark movies aside from Jaws? So so far in the month, you will know that uh, we had not yet been able to answer this question. And I have been staunchly maintaining my, my opposition, my, my no stance, that, that good shark movies don't exist outside of Jaws. And mm -hmm. I almost made it through this one with that claim intact. Um, because, so 47 meters down, it's a roughly hour and 20 minute film. Yeah. Uh, that is divided almost flawlessly into three like perfectly evenly sized acts that you can see and yep. feel when the act transition happens. You have your setup, you have your, oh my God, you're in danger, and then you have your eventual resolution. Yes, incredibly predictable for like 110 minutes. Yeah. And in the last 10 minutes, managed to fucking surprise me. And God damn it, if I didn't walk away with a completely different opinion of this movie at the end. I Yeah, it, it, it does. I mean, obviously, for those of you that are unaware, we are going to spoil this movie. There is a little bit of a twist ending, so this to speak. This is your warning. Yeah, so this is your warning. We are going to spoil this movie as we are wont to do. Yeah. <laughs> Not only are we want to do it, but we do want to do it. <laughs> we do, and I do, because it's a cool <laughs> ending. I actually saw this movie in the theaters back in 2016 because I am a shark movie fan. And I remember for the first, like, you know, 90% of this movie being like, yeah, yeah, this is a cool little, you know, shark movie. That's cool. And then the very end hits, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. 
okay. It got, got kind of dark. It got really dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first of all, uh, a recognition to uh, Johannes Roberts, who is the the writer-director of this film, uh, who apparently also was uh, very involved in the uh, in directing, very involved in directing, was was a director <laughs> for uh, Welcome to Raccoon City, which I still have not seen. Oh, neither uh, have I. But want to, uh, as we continue to uh, approach the question of, uh, are there any good Resident Evil movies? <laughs> <laughs> One day, we're going to uh, find that answer. And also is attached to the uh, the most recent VHS installment. Oh yeah, which um, uh, 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 David from the Nighthouse was involved. David Bruckner was involved in the oh, original yeah. VHS. Yeah, that is that is correct. Yep. Yeah. So if you guys haven't listened to that episode, we interviewed uh, David Bruckner back uh, uh, this past December for the Nighthouse, which is a film that I worked on with uh, David. Um, but we interviewed him about his process. Probably one of my favorite interview episodes we've done because, it like, was, we really got into it. Yeah, that was a very, very fun interview, and David was great. Great to talk to. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you'll notice, uh, if you're like me, I uh, I got about you know, what we were like right at the beginning of Act Two, we'll say, and I was like, man. That, like I swear that's Mandy Moore, and then we meet uh, Captain <laughs> Taylor, and I'm like, man, yeah. that really looks like Matthew Modine. <laughs> so I open up IMDb, and IMDb is like, you son of a bitch, it is, because <laughs> it is, you dumbass, <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> uh, so yes, this stars uh, Mandy Moore and Matthew Modine. Uh, Mandy Moore, of course, known mostly for her uh, for her music in the the early 2000s, but transitioned to acting. Uh, did not expect to see her in this, which is part of why I I was caught off guard. With that, because I, you know, expect yeah. her more in like Hallmark holiday movies. Well, she's uh, in This Is Us now, which is very much a that kind of series. So she's, yeah, she just got that like wholesome holiday movie vibe to her, and yeah. like you know what, fine, that's 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 your thing, go for it. Um, also, like this is more recent, and I haven't seen her in a while, so like she is chronologically older. Yeah, so, I mean, like, right? Yeah context matters like you don't expect to see someone in a certain type of movie looking older than you remember them and just so i just right past it but as soon as i saw matthew modine i was like oh son of a bitch (laughs) i should probably actually pay attention to who's in (laughs) and matthew modine for those of you guys are familiar uh or unfamiliar is uh brennan from stranger things yes he is the the papa Papa, yeah. <laughs> yep. And there's a couple other people, two other people, namely in this movie that I think is interesting. So Claire Holt, uh, so for you fe- uh, fellow vampire fans, uh, Claire Holt uh, plays Rebecca Michelson in the uh, Vampire Diaries multiple series, the originals, Vampire Diaries and Legacies. And then we have uh, Chris Johnson, who plays Logan in the Vampire Diaries mm-hmm. uh, as well. So they they played together. Claire Holden and Mandy Moore have both played uh, Rebecca characters. She, uh, Mandy Moore plays Rebecca on This Is Us. And uh, yeah. And then uh, our last person is uh, Lewis, who is Yanni Gelman, uh, who was in the Lizzie McGuire movie. So there's your other early 2000s pop star <laughs> Hmm. Uh, connection because uh, that's a uh, Haley Duff or uh, Haley Duff, sure, Hillary Duff, Hillary, Hillary Duff, Duff. Hillary, uh, the other Duff, and like just based on his IMDb profile f- picture alone, I was like, wait a second, is Chris Johnson related to Jake Johnson? But I can't, I can't find any confirmation or refutation of that. But they very much look like they could be related. And did you happen to see uh, the movie that uh, Chris Johnson was in most recently? The oh sequel, my God. Yes! the sequel to the movie we covered recently, Top Gunner, <laughs> uh, Danger Zone. Or this I, is the sequel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the sequel. Yep. Oh there was a God. sequel to that movie. They Why? called it Who Danger knows? Zone. Is yeah. is, er, is drunk Eric in it? He's not. Or at least he's, he's not, not credited. No, oh, I mean he would oh. definitely be credited if he was in it. I mean that, that would be the only reason to have him in it is to have him in the credits. <laughs> is that no, movie? there is. There is no one I know in these credits. Surprising. <laughs> Surprising. Top Gunner was such a top-notch film. It I'm was a... just a box office smash. <laughs> it was a graveyard smash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so 47 meters down, and you're right. This movie is perfectly sliced three ways. Like, mm-hmm. we have our full setup of, like, 
oh, get to know our characters. Oh, I see their personalities. And then it's like, okay, now they're getting into the shit. Oh my God, here's all the shit. And then it's like, all right, now they have a plan for resolving the story and here you go. But then that last, those last couple of minutes is what just just really gets you. I saw you just poke yourself in the eyeball with your glasses. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a goddamn mess. Oh boy, this movie, it messy. Are you on uh, nitrogen bubbles in the brain or whatever it is? You got the nitrogen uh, psychosis, whatever. Right, whatever they called it. (laughs) So, uh, so the beginning of this movie starts off with our two main characters, Mandy Moore and Claire Holt. Uh, Mandy Moore playing Lisa, and then uh, Kate, played by uh, Claire Holt. And we get the feeling that Mandy Moore is uh, just fresh out of a breakup. Her friend Kate brought her to Mexico, which her boyfriend was supposed to go on, but they end up just going by themselves as like, uh, you should forget about him. You know, like uh, truthfully, the beginning of this movie is very cliche. Mm -hmm. Um, very, very cliche. Uh, almost if it didn't move so quickly, I would almost say to a fault. Well, yeah, because, like, Lisa, like at, at first we just think that she invites her sister Kate because uh, her boyfriend Stuart can't make it. But then, of course, Kate wakes up in the middle of the night. Lisa's not there. She goes and finds her sitting outside crying. What's wrong? Oh, I lied to you. Stuart actually left me because I'm boring. And I'm like, listen, honey, first of all, fuck Stuart. Yeah. Like, just let him go. We don't We yeah. don't talk about Stuart. We don't need Stuart. Stuart's a dick. <laughs> Uh, and second of all, she's like, I thought if I took this vacation, he'd see that I'm someone who's fun and he'd, t- he'd come back to me. Second of all, fuck Stuart. He's yeah. not. <laughs> Which fun fact, they did actually, uh, uh, film some scenes with Stuart who was played by James Vanderbeek. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And they ended up cutting the scenes, but James Vanderbeek ended up, was the one playing, uh, Stuart. Oh my God. That would have been... That would have been simultaneously just, like, film-ruiningly bad and also the perfect casting for Stewart. Because fuck Stewart. Because fuck Stewart. You know, I've brought this up on the show before, but Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 is still one of my most favorited, underrated shows ever. Because James Vanderbeek plays James Vanderbeek, like an exaggerated version of James Vanderbeek. And I cannot tell you how, and it's Christian Ritter. It's Christian Ritter. It's Jessica Jones, but as like a wannabe socialite, I cannot (laughs) tell you how freaking amazing that series is. It's on Hulu, I'm pretty sure. But like, if you enjoy fun comedies and stuff like that, like quirky 20 minute, you know, sitcom-y style uh, comedies, don't trust to be in Apartment 23 is for you because God, that show was way ahead of its time. That's the other thing is if I had looked at the casting for this movie ahead of time and seen that it had Matthew Modine, Mandy Moore, and James Vanderbeek, I would have thought like full on rom com. Like, where are they? Like, yep, totally. Like, hilarity ensues when the sharks come out and they fall in love and like Captain Taylor marries them or something. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> I yeah. would not have pictured this. So, James Vanderbeek, no, honestly, no shade whatsoever. I'm glad you weren't in this movie. Yeah, that w- that was a solid cut. I think I think this film is exactly how long it needs to be. Uh, yeah. I do. I wouldn't add or subtract anything i think from this film even you know as we were saying about the beginning it feels very cliche like they go out drinking and dancing caleb you mentioned you know on twitter that fun little like going out in movies is literally just people standing in a room jumping up and down in place with drinks in their hands and like (laughs) i just i have to know is that real is that what people consider fun when they say we're gonna go out we're gonna have fun tonight i'm like that just looks exhausting but the best part about it is that when they actually film that, it's even worse because there is no music. So it is literally just people quietly jumping in, oh, in the background holding drinks to literally nothing. <laughs> so like it's even fu- it's even more awkward when you think of how it looks when they film it. That makes it that much better to think of the times when people try to talk in situations like that. Is I was like, what? I what did you say? <laughs> right. Just think of like yelling that at the top of my lungs in a silent room (laughs) i know i i still can't decide whether we were either too cool to be invited to those type of parties or not cool enough to be invited to the type of parties where people just hold alcohol and bounce in place i'll tell you what like i don't care what the answer is i'm grateful for it 
<laughs> right. I'm very comfortable in the middle of, of, of knowing that I didn't attend those kind of parties. <laughs> yeah. What is the, the line from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Mainly they were just upset they didn't get invited to those type of parties. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not in this case. Not in this case. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So so we see them, you know, out and, and now it's, it's uh, you know, it's Lisa's time to try to like have fun and like let go of Stuart. And, you know, Kate's really, really trying to get her to just kind of live in the moment and be happy and have fun on vacation. They eventually meet up with uh, Javier and Luis, um, who, you know, are the the people, I guess, who are going to take them out shark uh, cage diving. Am I they wrong? Meet, they meet Benjamin and Luis. Javier, Benjamin and Luis. Javier is important. Uh, oh, right. He's the unreasonable he, one. He comes later. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to him in a minute. So mm-hmm. they meet uh, Luis and Benjamin, who are like, hey, we'll take you, we're, you know, we're going to go cage diving. It's like 100 bucks each. We're going to go take you cage diving, you know, off the coast. Like, it's, you know, kind of a non-touristy thing. You know, it's kind of like the cool thing to do in, in Mexico. And they're like, eh. And after some, you know, like, trepidation, she finally does, uh, uh, Lisa does decide to go and do it, even though she's never dived before. And, like... It, it cannot be underplayed how much uh, peer pressure Lisa is subjected to in in, in this decision making. Oh yeah, uh, Luis and Benjamin—they're both just like, "Come on, it'll be fun, and we're handsome, we're Mexican. You want to hang out with us?" And Kate's like, "Oh my god, yes!" And Mandy Moore, Lisa, she's like. That's really fucking scary, and I don't want to do that. And they're like, ah, oh, fine. She's like, no, but really. But also, uh, here, I don't know how to dive. I've never done it before in my life. <laughs> here is a, a, a complete list of all the reasons why I think this is a bad <laughs> idea. And also, I just have a bad feeling, uh, yeah. which I, th- I think I should trust. And they're like, ah, it'll be boring. You know, Stuart won't want photos of you, like, standing on the shore. <laughs> like, third of all, fuck Stuart. <laughs> A hundred percent fuck Stuart. We don't yeah. care what Stuart thinks of this vacation because we're not here for Stuart. And that's the thing. Mandy Moore gives a lot of very reasonable reasons why she does not want to do it. And she even says at one point, like, hey, we just met these guys. We hear tourist stories all the time where people are like, oh, yeah, let's totally go off in this boat. And then something tragic and terrible happens to them, yeah. you know, whether it's malicious or not. And she's like... Stuff like this happens all the time. We should not do this. Yeah, and Louis and Benjamin, they're, they're, they seem to be perfectly nice guys, you know, all appearances. And uh, mild spoiler, as far as we can tell throughout the course of the movie, they, they continue to seem to be just fine. But at the same time, that's a really smart instinct. Like, we don't yeah. know these people that well. We just met them. We have no idea whose boat we're getting onto. Uh, nobody knows where we're going or that we'll be there when we're coming back or what we're doing. Right. Uh, and so... You add all those things together, and, like, that's a recipe for we just disappear. Right. I mean, like... And you know who's not coming to help? Stuart. Fucking Stuart, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, the fact that it turned out the way it did, but even if it didn't and the cage diving was perfectly fine and they got out of the cage diving and got back to shore, it still was a scary and not safe thing for two young women to be doing like Mm -hmm. it still was a very unsafe thing to go on a boat with then four men uh who they do not know out in the middle of a country into the middle of the ocean that they aren't uh naturally from like it just was a very very unsafe thing but then again there wouldn't have been a movie if they didn't i mean that is true and like i i have a personal rule where there's a lot of things that i won't do and I don't judge anyone in a film like this for not wanting to do something that I also wouldn't do. Yeah. Yeah, I think and it's this perfectly reasonable. I would not do this. Yeah, no, diving into <laughs> monster soup is not that. But so it's actually kind of funny because you know, you know, we jokingly have on many occasions called the ocean monster soup. Uh-huh. But it's actually funny because when they shot this movie, it was literal soup because <laughs> they shot this on a stage, right? And on the stage, they uh, uh, they had like the big tank, and that's where they filmed all the scenes in. Okay, but to make it look like there were things in the ocean, they put bits of broccoli in it. So it literally was Mandy Moore soup as yes. they were filming this movie. <laughs> Mandy Moore and Claire hold soup. Uh, and she was like, yeah, after, you know, she, she quoted saying that like after like week one, it was the same broccoli. So it was just oh. 
broccoli in this tank for like a week. But they only shot for a few hours at a time, which I think is really interesting. She said that they would wake up at eight, they would prep everything, do their safety lessons and all that kind of stuff, and then only film to one o'clock. And then wrap, which only gives them like a five, six hour window of shooting. And, um, and I like, think that's pretty interesting. That's not a lot of time when you're in water. Yeah. And like, I feel like as difficult as it can be to like set up and reset a scene under the best of circumstances, you're in water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a tough, <laughs> tough thing. I mean, specifically for continuity and things like that. Like, that's tough because the water is constantly moving. So mm-hmm. good on them, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I- impressive the the results, especially because, like, you can't readily tell that it wasn't shot in open water. Yeah. No, they did a really good job. So the uh, so they do eventually say yes. They go out on this boat. Uh, Matthew Modine, Captain Taylor, is the captain of this uh, ship. And then his uh, crew hand is Javier. Now, Javier is probably one of the most, like, unreasonable characters out there. Because he dick. says all... He is, and he says all these things that it's like, nobody talks like this. Like, he's very, like, instigating. Like, he's... It almost feels like he's trying... The only thing, I guess my complaint about this is that it felt like Javier was written to make this scenario seem malicious. So Mm -hmm. you would be like, oh no, like, are they just feeding them to the sharks? Like, what's the deal? You know, like his character is written maliciously, but once you get to the movie, you realize unnecessarily. Yeah, because like, uh, you know, Lisa is having her, her, I won't even call them second thoughts because she had her second thoughts before they left the shore. <laughs> These are uh, continuing first thoughts. <laughs> she is having one very serious thought about not going in and Kate's trying to convince her. And Javier, the only thing he can think to do is be like, oh, watch out. The, the shark, can uh, he can sense your heartbeat and he's coming for you now. Except he does it in a Spanish accent that I wasn't, or a Mexican accent that I wasn't going to try to attempt just then. Uh, yeah. Because it would have sounded really bad. <laughs> yeah. And he's weird because he's like, yeah, the sharks can't hear you above water. They don't hear so well above water, but <clears throat> underwater they hear you for me. And it was like, dude, she is literally hyperventilating. Like, this is not the time to earn. Like, you are not going to earn your $100, but she's going to no. be like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pay you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're scaring the shit out of me. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> and that would be reasonable. Yeah. That would have been the time movie. to be like, you know what? Yeah, let's call you know, it a day. You know what? Let's wrap it up. Let's, let's just take me home. This this guy, he this... Uh, I want you to know when I fill out the survey later, Captain Taylor, uh, this guy is the reason you are getting one star. <laughs> that is a, that is going to be a bad Yelp review right there. Let me Would not you. recommend. Would not recommend. <laughs> There's going to be an email to my book club. You are not going to enjoy <laughs> how I, I, I am going to blow this up on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so obviously they do end up getting in the ocean. Yeah. She she is talked into it uh, with at least the assurances that her butt looks cute in the wetsuit. <laughs> Which, Which, I mean, Mandy Moore, come on. The sharks don't care. The sharks don't care, and we already know. So, like, <laughs> who are you fooling? Who are you? I mean, like, come on. So, <laughs> so they do end up getting into it after uh, uh, Louis and, and uh, Benjamin do end up going in. They come out. They're like, oh, my God, it's amazing. You guys should totally go into it. So they do go into it. They do go down. And as they are uh, uh, going down and, and being lowered, the cable surprisingly snaps oh. and they fall to... You guessed 47 it. 47 meters. There you go. 47 meters down. They are on the uh, floor of the ocean. They are now trapped. The winch that was holding the thing has fallen on top of the cage, preventing them from opening the cage, which I think is a really interesting way of doing it and a little less like the cage rusted shut or it broke and bent shut or something. Cause like, there's always some sort of weird, like arbitrary reason why they can't just do a simple thing. Or I thought this somehow was happened to just flip upside down while falling, right. even though like that wouldn't actually happen because all the stuff is on. T- yeah. All the floaty stuff is on top. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was uh, a, a good little continuity plot uh, device. So the winch is on top of the cage. 
you know, they're stuck in the cage. We know that there's sharks all over the place. Eventually, uh, Kate's like, all right, I'm going to slip out. She does have diving experience, by the way. She did get a diving certificate. However, um, Lisa has zero diving experience, so she's (laughs) relying on just what Kate has told her and the few tips that uh, Captain Taylor told her as they were getting into the cage. And not anything that Javier told her because none of it was helpful. None of it was helpful. It all it did was just in, instill more fear, I guess. <laughs> so now that they're down at the bottom of the ocean, this is where the 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 meat <laughs> of our movie <laughs> happens, right? So it's them finding multiple ways to get back in touch with the the ship uh, up on top, you know. But there's still sharks circling around. Kate has to kind of go up a little bit. They have little radio transmitters, so she has to go up a little bit to, uh, you know, say hello. And they're like, we're gonna lower another lynch, like how is coming down uh, with, with the other winch. I mean, and, you know, tie it to the cage. We'll, we'll raise you back up on our secondary uh, winch. But there's a couple of different scenarios where, again, it makes it seem malicious, like they're going to leave them, you know, because, like, she'll go up and try to radio them, but, like, no one will answer. You know, when they talk about the second winch, she's like, I don't remember seeing one on the boat. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a little shady. And, like, it makes you think that it is uh, malicious. Well, and there's a moment where Liz is like, did you hear that? That's the boat. They're leaving us. And yeah. in case, like, you know, maybe it could just be another boat because somebody could be hit up. She'd be like, no, we would have heard it coming. They're definitely leaving us. And I'm like, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't hear it. I didn't yeah, hear I mean, like, you hear like a slight rumble, but like, it's not. I don't know. It, it wasn't <laughs> enough to make me be like, oh, they left us. We're dead. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of like jump scare moments with the sharks. The sharks are all over the place. Obviously they're great white sharks because, you know, Hollywood and great white sharks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, uh, Javier does come down, uh, and he, you know, gets down. He actually bumps into Kate. No, Lisa. He bumps Lisa. into Lisa uh, and he's, yeah, Mandy. No, Moore. It's, uh, it's Kate when she's out. Um, Trying to get the the extra tanks or whatever she's or she's out searching. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So he does bump into Kate <laughs> as she's out. I mean, to be fair, it's impossible to tell who's who without the captions on telling you who's speaking in the moment because they both just have the, the mask same on. It's on. underwater, and yeah, it's very hard to tell. Uh, yeah. So so he does bump into her, and he's like, "Get back into the cage! Get back into the cage!" Here's the other winch, you know, and he immediately ends up getting uh, eaten by a shark. So hmm. he's now dead. And eventually, uh, uh, Lisa does go back out, find Javier's body, and the man dropped loot. He yeah. he was a full on <laughs> loot drop. I saw that message from you, and I was like, "The fuck is he talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and then because she finds Javier's body at, you know, whatever's left of it. And she's like, oh, cool. A spear gun. Oh, great. The lynch. Oh, look, some flares. You know, this is like, oh, like all of these very convenient in the moment. things. And I was like, the man just dropped loot <laughs> after he died. <laughs> it's absolutely spectacular. Uh, so they, they get the, the secondary winch attached and like, we're saved. Like, this is it. We're good. Like, but like. My friends, like, there's still, like, a third of this movie left, so... Oh, yeah, there's, like, 30 uh, minutes left at this part. When I tell you that they are not, in fact, saved, like, <laughs> I need you to know that you should know this. Uh, <laughs> as they're being slowly lifted uh, out of the, the, the water, and they're like, oh, my God, it's working, it's working. Of course, the fucking rope breaks and sends them plummeting back down, uh, in which case the, the cage actually lands with uh, Lisa's leg pinned underneath, so, like, she's not going anywhere, She's stuck. Yep. And this is where they start bringing up, well, they, they've they kind of been bringing up throughout the movie, but this is where they start bringing up kind of major points. So one, there is the bends, which is when the nitrogen bubbles get into your brain, basically it kills you. Like mm-hmm. once you have, the, like it just, that's it. it. Basically it's like, you know, bubbles blow up in your brain and you die. Uh, but then the other part is they talk about uh, nitrogen psychosis, mm-hmm. which is basically you're, you're breathing too much of the artificial air and it causes you to, you know, basically hallucinate and, and uh, become lightheaded. And- yeah. <clears throat> and so the, the temporary solution after the, the cage plummets a second time is that, uh, Captain Taylor sends down a couple of spare air tanks, but he warns them, like, the longer you use this, the more you have to worry about this. So, like, just, you know, keep an eye on each other. And it's like, wow, that that can't possibly be foreshadowing. But initially, it's like, well, like, nothing's happening. Like, they're fine. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you, 
Kate or yeah, Kate is out because obviously Lisa's Lisa's trapped. Kate is out. She gathers the tank. She gathers the the flare. She gathers all this stuff, and she's on her way back when boom, shark, shark. Yeah, she gets she done gets chomped. Now, mind you, at this point, uh, you know, Captain Taylor has said like, "Hey, the Coast Guard has been notified. They are coming down. Just stay in the cage. Use the oxygen. Keep an eye on each other. You know, don't don't leave the cage." Unresolved question for me. Yeah. Which Coast Guard? Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah. I, I mean, guess it would it, be the Mexican Coast Guard, but... It, it doesn't matter, but they just never say. And they just say yeah. the Coast Guard. I'm like, but like, America well, I guess, isn't the only country that has a Coast Guard, people. But I like, guess well, like... We can't just assume. <laughs> we can't assume. <laughs> Credit where it's due. If someone's going to rescue, then I need to know who to thank. I need we need to know who to write because in the review that Lisa's going to leave, she needs to know how many stars and who to credit for that. Because <laughs> like otherwise, American Coast Guard would be like, "Wait, was that us? We didn't. Was that Mexican? We didn't, like we didn't uh, rescue anyone? What? Or, what are you talking about <laughs> shark cage? Right? Who's got illegal shark cages? We need you, to raid them. You've been chumming the water. That's also illegal. What are yeah, you doing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're not calling the American Coast Guard. I, I actually, I, I think that that settles it. They definitely called the the Mexican Coast Guard. They called the Mexican uh, Coast Guard. The American yeah. Coast Guard would have would have shown up with like the DEA or something like that, and like somehow like made it about like fucking the cartels or something. <laughs> so right, they'd be like, oh, it's got to be drugs. They would have planted uh, let's, drugs. Let's kill a whole bunch of people. <laughs> they would have arrested Javier's dead body. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, America. So, uh, so yeah, so Kate's been chomped now, right? Javier's dead. Kate's been chomped. Lisa is still stuck under the cage. She eventually is like, I've got a brilliant idea. She's got this thing called a BCD or BCP? BCD, which I, without knowing uh, scuba acronyms, I'm going to guess stands for ballast control device or breathing something. Yeah. So basically it's like they, a, it inflates. It's, it's like it's attached to their breathing apparatus. So like, like it, that's why I say it could be something with breathing, but it's meant to allow for control of ascent and descent in the water, which is ballast. So that's that's my guess. That's I'm, that's a good guess. I'm not going to look it up. No, I'm, I think that's a reasonable guess. And you know what? Hey, if you know, hit us up uh, the Nahoy podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Tag us. Let us know. Hey, what is the what is the BCD? I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm totally going to look it up because I can't fucking not. But don't spoil it. That way, people can tweet at us the answer and be like, "You fucking idiots!" It's this. So, yeah, so she inflates the BCD, which lifts up the cage. She lifts her leg, but it it scrapes her leg. So now there's blood, more blood in the water. She, she starts trying to come up. She cut her hand on the the, the spear gun, trying which to get is very to her important. tank. Because yep. um, Kate was able to, to swap out her tank on the fly before the shark got her. Uh, but the other tank got dropped outside the cage. And, of course, Lisa is trapped. So she tries to get the spear gun to get it. Uh, she cuts her hand, so of course we have a whole bunch of blood in the water from that, which this is the second time we see blood in the water from a wound from from Lisa specifically. So it's like, oh my God, is she going to be okay? Uh -huh. so much. But she, you know, uh, she does manage through a, a few attempts to snag the the tank and like drag it over to her and hook it up. Uh, and that's when she, she has the brilliant idea to use the BCD, which I was close Okay. It, it is not ballast control device, but it is it is very very close to that, and the concept is a hundred percent correct. All right, so we can't wait. Hopefully, you guys tag us in it. Otherwise, Caleb left to tell me when we're done recording. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so you know, now she's figured that out. She's like, all right, I've got to get out of here. I've got to find Kate. You know, eventually she starts swimming up. She hears Kate on the radio, who was like. You know, Lisa, I'm very, like, I'm very cold. The shark got me a little bit, but I'm still alive. But the sharks are circling me right mm -hmm, now. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what to do. I am dying. Please come help me. And uh, she does go and eventually uh, get Kate. And this whole time I'm like, listen, listen, people. I get disaster movie tropes. I understand. But, like, you cannot convince me that Lisa is the kind of person who's going to have this kind of clear-headedness under duress uh, and is going to go full hero mode. You can't. This is not believable. Yeah. This is beyond cliche. I'm annoyed. Uh, she was the one who was, like, literally 20 minutes ago hyperventilating and using up all her air and, like, unable to, to even fathom the idea of being in the cage, much less perform these epic feats of heroism not buying it 
Yeah. And so she ends up getting Kate. They end up, you know, slowly swimming to the surface. They do get a hold of Captain Taylor, who was like, okay, remember, you got to go slow or you're going to get the bends. You got to stop every so often. They're using the flares to fend off the sharks as the sharks come at them. I mean, like, really quick thinking because they're mm-hmm. like, you know, like at the speed of a shark. Yeah. Putting the flare out and the shark will be like, ah, shit, bright. What the fuck? Yeah. And then like swim away and then try to do it again and be like, ah, oh, there's a fucking light again. What the hell? You know? Um, <laughs> so that's a, like how it keeps happening they finally get up to shore they notify you know they're right by the boat and they're like shit shit we're here like what do we do blah blah blah. and they throw them the lifesaver and just as they're getting pulled up a shark comes and just chomps right on lisa's leg which Uh, is gnarly just the oh yeah and it's just like exposed meat yeah oh so it gets her it pulls her under quickly even gnarlier than her leg wound is the way she gets away from this shark by mm. just full on like gripping at its eye socket and just like Which pushing is, and tearing and like ugh, fucking like up under the shark's it and like, eye. Like, it's like she goes brutal on this yeah. shark. And uh, once again, like, it's like not buying it. I am impressed. Like, that was very badass, Lisa, but I'm not buying it. Like, you that can't in do the moment. that. Yeah. Like, and it's not that I don't think you are capable of this as a person, uh, but I just don't think that this is who you are, and I don't think this is how you react to the scenario. I think you you get, like, that shark got your leg, and you're gone. I'm sorry. And you're just done for. Her. Yeah. So not only does it get her leg once, but it gets it twice, and on the second time is when she digs its eye out. She eventually frees herself from the shark, gets pulled up onto the boat, you know, her and Kate are laying there on the boat, and, you know, she, I mean, her leg is torn to shit at this point. And like ripped to shreds, and the guy pulls out like the type of first aid kit you send with your kid to yeah. school, <laughs> where it's like three Hello Kitty band aids and like one small pack of gauze. And he's like, I know this is gonna help. And she's like squirting blood everywhere, and her leg is holding on by threads at this point. He's like, yeah, I, I'm gonna save the day, Bye. you know. And they're they're both laying there, they're you know hands held, and she's like, "We did it. We we were rescued. We were saved." Mm. But, but they were weren't you? actually. No. Uh, so the spoiler ending of the movie. The visuals of this, though, the way they do the reveal is honestly the reason that like they completely like flip the script like caught me off guard turn this around is like as she's laying on the deck of the boat she holds up her hand in the light and we see what looks like blood flowing gently away from the wound in her hand i wait a second that doesn't happen in the air that only happens in the in the water And then we flash back, and uh, Kate, uh, Lisa is still stuck uh, with her leg under the cage. Uh, she is in still, uh, she is in fact still stuck under the cage, looking at her hand as it, it was cut from the spear gun. So that and, is the flashback to that scenario. So that is where the movie basically rewinds back to. And uh, as we learn that uh, nitrogen narcosis is the the phrase. Narcosis. Nitrogen, nitrogen narcosis has taken hold. Uh, and she hallucinated that entire daring escape and rescue, uh, which made me feel incredibly vindicated because I was right. She wouldn't do all that. Yep. But also like, holy shit, this got dark. Yeah. <laughs> but the Coast Guard does in fact come and rescue her and save her. Uh, and thus ends our movie. We get we get nothing else. As, as far as we know, Kate is definitely dead. Kate, Kate uh, definitely got chomped, right? Because that was like just before that scenario. We don't actually even know if uh, if Lewis and Benjamin are fine. We assume that Captain Taylor is because the Coast Guard got called, but we never seen it. Like there is no resolution to this movie. And when I tell you that I love that, they like I don't think that there could possibly have been a better ending. I I think the only better ending would be we don't see the Coast Guard at all. It ends with just her being like, huh, this is Whoa. And that's it. You just, it just fades out on her. You know, we, we think maybe the Coast Guard's coming, right? But we Mm -hmm. don't know for a fact. Mm -hmm. I think that would be the super, I I would assume that's why, because it's too dark of an ending, but that's how I would have wanted it to end. The other side of this though, is because we know that she's under the effects of nitrogen narcosis and has already hallucinated one rescue. We're left not knowing if those Coast Guard are real. All right. Yeah, actually, I'll give you that one. We don't know if the Coast Guard is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's a mind fuck. Oh yeah. So uh so there it is, 47 meters down. So should you watch this movie? Yeah. I, mean, I, I think I, if you like shark movies. If you like shark movies, if you're okay with a little bit of blood and gore, not like a massive amount, uh definitely no like real like super traumatic, like gut spilling out or anything like that. Just some, I, the eyeball got me though. The, the, I, I will. I even I was like, oh god. The shark ugh. eyeball was a cringe moment, and of yeah. course the exposed meat on the women's legs after the shark attack. But like, it was relatively tame compared to to most uh, movie wounds that we've we've seen. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I I, uh, I I don't know. I, I really like this movie. I remember seeing it in theaters and remember really liking it. I think as, you know, it does it compare to Jaws? No. Is it a different type of movie than Jaws? Yes. So here's the thing. Um, Jaws, well, like, well, like is, you know, is the gold standard for shark movies. Yes, sure. Jaws is a monster movie in which the monster is a shark. I'll give and you that I one. I think Please. most shark movies try for that they try to capture the magic of what was the 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 like shark paranoia of that time and like that still spielberg and the the cast and crew of, of jaws did just an, an absolutely phenomenal job of bringing to life like there's a monster this is the rational reaction this is the way that the mob reacts and put all those factors together we have a perfect monster movie yeah yeah 47 Meters Down is a movie in which the humans, it, it's, it's a like a classic men versus nature. I'll put that in quotes because obviously yeah. man, not, not the point here. Uh, but it is, is a person versus nature uh, conflict and there are sharks. Yeah. The sharks are not monsters. The sharks right. are not going out of their way to attack and to, to terrorize. The people go to where the sharks live and invite them with with tasty chum. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think you should compare it to Jaws, other than to put it in the the same uh, category of. It turns out, yes, there are good shark movies. Yeah, it turns out th that there is. Yeah, forty-seven meters down. So we've answered the question. Are there good shark movies aside from Jaws? And yeah, there there are. There's are at the least one. There's at least one. Are the other ones we watched today uh, it? They are not it. They are not it. No. Uh, although Bad CGI Sharks is a good movie. It's, to it's speak. Just, it was, it, it was is a, not a good shark movie. It's a terrible shark movie, but an excellent uh, movie about shark movies. Yes, I'll agree with that one. Uh, yeah, so there, there you have it, everyone. We we uh, we appreciate you coming along with this uh, uh, question month of asking about sharks, and uh, you know, av, uh, as always, of course, if you have not hit subscribe on your podcast player of choice, make sure to do that or subscribe or follow whatever it's called nowadays. Uh, these kids in their terms. <laughs> uh, so make sure to do that. We super appreciate it. So you get notified whenever there's brand new episodes. We have episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, Thursdays are our bonus episodes. Where more recently we're going to be talking talking about She-Hulk with the crew from the Superpod Hero cast. That's going to be very exciting. That. And then, of course, every Sunday we have a brand new episode where we talk about a new movie like this, yeah. uh, or a, a, a movie like this, not new movies. But You're, you're going to want to be subscribed, too, because uh, as we're ending Shark, Shark Girl Summer, uh, we are moving into Sexy September. Yes, we are. And I think the, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to say which movie we're coming up with first. You'll have to follow us over on Twitter to find out the Nahoy podcast or on uh, Night Shift Radio's uh, uh, official account, which is Night Shift MG, all of which are linked down below. Super easy. Just click the link and do the thing. Uh, and it's very easy to do. Uh, so there it is, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening. And as always, make sure to share with 100,000 of your closest shark friends. And, you know, Maybe a maybe a few octopi, yeah, and some some cuttlefish, <laughs> the whole the whole monster soup family, <laughs> and uh, definitely uh, a mollusk or two. Oh yeah, we don't want to we don't want to exclude any any mollusk. We'd appreciate that. <laughs> but no no fucking dolphins. Those guys are assholes. Oh, those assholes. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Thanks a lot for joining us, everyone, and we will see you next time. A father's tragic past hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. 
Every month, we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts, and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. Music